0: So in this journey that i started where we ask questions um, and place reality into a question of scrutiny i realized something more precisely when i was dealing with this particular topic i realized that there are certain things that we have as people that kind of lead us to the initial point of our inquiry um the cognitive bias which is something i had or something that i came to realize when i was asking a question for today's topic or when i was going through the research for today's topic i had my head set on on a particular direction for the topic but as the research continued and the findings continued i realized that I have to expand myself a bit more and open myself to new possibilities. Yes, for as much as I attempt to answer questions in different perspectives, perspectives that don't even come from me, perspectives that I think would come from other people, there are still certain things that would lead me back to my reality. Thus, creating a feedback loop or an echo chamber and it's worse when you are creating the echo chamber for yourself actually it's worse when your community creates the echo chamber for you but catching this now in the earliest stages of the podcast is quite outstanding i would say because it allows me to review certain things that I would question or the questions that I would pose and allows me to find other questions that I wouldn't otherwise pose. And it allows me to, as I've stated on the first few episodes, it allows me to now open a platform whereby you as the audience get to now ask questions about certain aspects of our reality whether it be social science, psychology, politics, science in itself, it really doesn't matter. But the fact that now this platform will allow you to now ask these questions and we will interact is what it is initially created for. So I really hope we don't create an echo chamber amongst ourselves. And I hope we open a possibility of, seeing reality in a new light, from different from how we observe it on a daily basis. So in light of allowing you as the audience to interact with each other and ask questions and have discussions, I have decided to publish the podcast on a platform called Substack. Substack will allow you to comment or post comments um and questions on each and every episode that you listen to from now going on forward even the previous episodes really so you can ask questions and we can interact with each other all right let's now get started welcome to the Thing Peace forecast where i discuss a wide range of topics that aim at questioning reality as we know and believe it to be this is episode three and the topic for today is shame as a moral philosophy tool my name is ian m Malulega. Before we get right into it, I would like to let it be known that as the audience, you need not know the ins and outs of these topics. The discussions will be concise and straight to the point. In future, the research literature of the podcast will be posted along with references used in presentation of each episode. The aim of this presentation is to create discussions around the things we see and experience. I hope you enjoy it and share your thoughts and questions and interact with each other. So now the topic I stated is shame as a moral philosophy tool. I wanted to look at shame as a positive reinforcement tool for moral philosophy or moral moral principles in society. As like I stated when I started, that was my initial aim, to look at shame as a tool of moral philosophy for the positive reinforcement of moral principles in society. But I later really realized that there's more difficulties that I had than that. It that. It, it expands to so much more. And it leads to different questions that I had initially intended to ask, which is great because it expanded me to a different perspective and a different outlook of how shame, say, works in today's society and how shame works for individuals or how shame works in society or how we subject shame to each other and other people. (laughs) So the question I post for this topic has been proven through studies but in most cases it has been proven that shame as a tool used to hold individuals accountable and for introspection is far more dangerous than i had assumed and contributes more to mental illnesses than accountability for one's actions the appropriate term that feeds into the analysis of one's own moral principles and how theirs are influencing the moral principles of a society is guilt. That is the term that I was looking for, guilt. Um, And guilt is different from shame due to the fact that it places the blame on the action instead of merely blaming the person and causing the individual to doubt themselves their character and even their very existence yes shame in 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 certain aspects it it, it honestly can be seen as a contributing tool to moral philosophy for the purpose of altering one's actions and principles for the sole benefit of community. However, placing that responsibility solely on the individual without placing some form of responsibility on the community as part of a social contract can have dire implications for a person's mental state. Now, given this intro, um, what is shame, really? And how does it affect a person's mental state? Uh, How is it really any different from guilt? And what questions uh, can we now find, or how can we now uh, place this shame and guilt in moral philosophy in reality? Uh, Start off with shame is considered broadly as an emotion that involves self-reflection and evaluation. It is said that shame as an introspection, introspective evaluation tool is closely related to guilt and is used interchangeably. However, the emotions are quite different. Shame suggests that, or let's say when you are in a situation and you have committed a mistake now, shame would suggest that The things you should say are, or rather, what you should say as based on shame is, I am sorry. I am a mistake. Whereas with guilt would suggest you should say that, I am sorry. I made a mistake. This can be triggered by moral transgressions and social norms, for which moral transgression question is the one we will focus on the most. Evidently, the most common layman's definition of shame is that which affects the social norms of a person and individuals. For instance, passing gas in public, tripping and falling, unexpectedly being naked in public, would bring about the social normative emotion of shame. The objective moral transgression of shame can be triggered in a variety of ways. This can be damaging someone's property, or being late for a meeting or being late for work. as well being shamed for something very specific, like the way you look or your makeup, or how you enforce certain ideas to people you are shamed for them. Aside from all of that, it can be used as as an objective tool to subject other people or groups of people to shame, resulting in an overlap of the objective and subjective realities of shame. For example, shaming people with unhealthy habits or eating disorders, thus introducing the discussion of body shaming, or shaming men in the thought of not being man enough or being too masculine as part of the gender politic conversation. The extremities of these discussions can lead to individuals being ashamed of, say, their size or shape, or in the case of men being ashamed of being men resulting in the internalization of of objective objectively subjected shame in the pursuit of moral outcomes guilt however is more of an outer look at one's actions and how they may have affected or come across to others one may look at how being late for work Uh, affects their colleagues, or how saying the wrong or hurtful thing may affect the next person, thus limiting and controlling one's speech and actions. This not only promotes accountability, but also social responsibility. This begs the question, what are the things that we may truly consider to be shameful or guilty, and how do they affect our morality, specifically when viewed from a subjective and objective standpoint? How do these two concepts look in the current era are these states and emotions a good or bad thing and how exactly do they contribute to the maintenance of people's morality for the benefit of the community more precisely in consideration of the body positive manifestation economic disparity and inclusive inclusivity driven society to answer some of these questions Let's take a look at two scenarios or stories. First, let's start with The Emperor's New Clothes, written by Hans Christian Andersen. The story is of an emperor who loved clothes so much that he has a cloth for every occasion. Not that he wasn't pleased, but one day two strangers calling themselves the best weavers entered his kingdom as he heard of the weavers and their outstanding work that was said to be the work of greatness that could only be seen by those fit for their office and not by simpletons. It led him to acquire their services so they could weave for him the finest clothes in the kingdom. When it was time for the emperor to gather the clothes for his procession, he was fooled into believing that the invisible clothes, nothing at all, they did not weave anything, which were truly uh nothing. They were I mean invisible clothes. It's just nothing. They led him to believe that these clothes were fifth greatness. The weavers sold the story of threads used. How these clothes can only be seen by those of intelligence and wisdom and not simpletons and only be seen by those fit for their office due to his office and his council's desire to not look like fools they bought the story the emperor dressed for his procession and proceeded to parade in public in the nude The public revered the emperor for his clothes as though they were seeing them however it was a collective decision not to embarrass him it was only when a child noted that he was parading in the nude that everyone in the crowd acknowledged this truth when it comes to the question of shame and guilt this 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 scenario is quite simple as per objective morality The weavers are guilty of subjecting the emperor to such embarrassment. If they had not gone forward with their sales pitch, he would not have been parading naked among his subjects. The social standard would be to hold the weavers accountable for their actions. However, the individual and dual moral principles will dictate whether they feel guilty for their actions or not, because they are thieves and deceitful. So, It is doubtful that they do feel guilt. Now, beyond this area is where we introduce the point of view of ethics and ethical behaviour, which is a subject for another time. This will now lead to the punishment uh, of the weavers. When it comes to the emperor, he might feel ashamed that he was tricked by the weavers who came to his kingdom to do that hoping to change his reality. Fortunately, the emperor does not show any extreme shame, but rather continues to demonstrate to his subject that he's not a simpleton, but rather that he is fit for his office. This, however, now presents a question of ego and pride over shame. So in order to mask that particular shame or embarrassment, the emperor looks at his pride more because now he holds the finest clothes in the kingdom. Even if they are not clothes at all, even if he was sold lies, he oversees the shame to which he has brought unto himself. Another example we can look at is the Stanford prison experiment, quite a gruesome experiment really, conducted by Philip Zimbardo. The purpose of the experiment was to investigate how individuals confirmed to assigned social roles within a simulated prison environment. I find this story, this, this, this experiment to be a perfect example for the illustration of morality, which will also work as part of the ethics discussion. The prison experiment was conducted to illustrate the effects of power, authority and institutional setting on human behaviour. There were 24 male college aged volunteers in the experiment. The group was randomly divided into two groups, one playing the role of the prisoners and the other as the guards. This was later shut down due to the disastrous turnout of the experiment, which was said to have been unexpected. The guards quickly became abusive and sadistic in their treatment of the prisoners as an indication of their power and authority over the guards, I mean over the prisoners. It is said that the prisoners were subjected to physical and psychological abuse and humiliation. Of course, this in the case with this is the case with many prisons around the world, it starts raising a number of questions in the ethical sphere of the setup. Given that we are, of course, questioning morality and its two unique tools, shame and guilt, Would it then be said that the reinforcement of shame by the guards towards the prisoners was justified, however guilty they may have been, that the students who played as guards feel guilty for subjecting their peers to such atrocities? Do they feel ashamed enough to correct their actions when they now encounter prisoners? or ex-convicts or people who come from correctional services? Do we not stop shaming these particular people? How does guilt affect ex-convicts when they leave correctional services? In certain aspects, the scenario of this Stanford Prison Experiment Looks at the extremes, rather uh, well, the extremities of shame, where those subjected to it suffer from mental illness and question their own existence. When one questions their existence, it shies away from the questioning of themselves, and thus shies away from the assistance in the alternation or alteration of their moral views for the benefit of the society. Whereas, when we look at the story of the emperor and the weavers, given that the weavers feel some form of guilt, this would then mean that they adhere to a collective moral principle and would thus reconsider their own principles based on their actions that may be called into question, such as theft, lying, and being deceitful. Shame and guilt have a number of overlaps and influence individual and the collective morality can they be used for the positive reinforcement of morality yes but like everything else there is a cost yes they both have negative implications for the collective moral principles of course this is dependent on the blindness of the followers or the lack of questioning from the community. The the topic is... It's not just the topic of shame as a moral philosophy tool, but the topic of moral philosophy is complex and would take more than just a few minutes to discuss in length. Of course, the growth of this subject is dependent on the time differentiation in different civilizations as well as cultural adaptation. This is not to say that we cannot improve and instill morality in our modern society. We should, however, use the emotional tools of morality with caution. We should be wary of how we shame other people or how we may try to make other people feel guilty for their actions. This feeds a lot into what we used to have um, in our society called cancel culture, where we take someone or something that someone said from their past and bring it forth into their future. Well, immediately when they succeed so that we can shame and have them feel guilty for their past actions, even though those people have changed and probably changed their perspectives on the things they have stated in the past. We are easy to shame other people. We are easy to sort after guilt from other people without looking at the negative implications of it. Yes. Yes. In certain aspects, we really do try to look at positive reinforcement, but the way we have done it, it hasn't really shown any positive positivity whatsoever. Council culture is by far the worst. When it comes to the body positivity movement, unfortunately, gaming is now looming to becoming one of the worst because... It's not like fat people don't know that they're fat. They do, but shaming them would lead them to now having a number of mental issues. One of those issues that has been observed is self-esteem issues. Gender politics is one of them. And the desire for men to now change their masculinity in accordance to what the society says confuses especially the young generation and puts into question their existence. That's not a particular kind of shame we should reinforce. You are not supposed to feel guilty for your existence. You are not supposed to be ashamed for your existence. However, you are supposed to now correct your actions and your words in accordance to the society you live in. Can we alter the way to which we reinforce shame and guilt? In the later future, are we going to find a method on how to use these tools for moral um, readjustment in the now growing modernization or modernized society? I wonder how this will look like in the future. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to have you again next week as I take you through a journey of provocative thought and questioning about the world we live in.